0: Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast, episode 80. Today we are talking returning to work with back pain. Let's go. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain free. So if you're driving to work, tidying in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hi guys, episode 80. We're talking returning to work when you have back pain. We've been having an Ask Us Anything on our Facebook support group, and this is one of the questions that came up the most. And to be fair, it's something that comes up regularly someone who's been off work with back pain they're looking to return to work but they still have back pain how can they help themselves are there some tips some hints some tricks some ways to create the best return to work as possible notwithstanding what your own work needs to do to support you as well my name is Dave Elliott I run three chiropractic clinics in Essex and I'm a practicing chiropractor still so I'm still seeing patients day to day but Uh, I've got a passion for making sure that we give as much information out to the public as possible. So this podcast is a great way of doing it. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and awesome co-host, Robert Bevan. Now, Rob also owns a chiropractic clinic over in Sirencester in the Cotswolds, and he's the most steadfast man I know on pushing the chiropractic profession forwards. Well, actually, do you know what? All musculoskeletal professions forwards, keeping us up to date with the the best research and keeping patients in the best place possible. Rob, good afternoon, mate.
1: Good afternoon, David. Thank you for joining us.
0: Hey, look, what a great day, right? Um, So today, Rob, it's me and you. We've had some corkers uh, on recently, some great guests. So uh, it's interesting just to have little old me and you on again.
1: Oh no! it's I'm looking forward to it actually it's a uh, it's, it's nice just to uh, to have a chat and to actually provide some quality information as I said we had a load of questions come in um, as we usually do for for the podcast when we say we're doing an AMA one and this one was kind of the one that stuck out that we thought would be most beneficial to to you guys really to people listening and it's something which as Dave said comes up a lot people ask this question a lot people ask us a lot people ask us this in clinic a lot and it's all about returning to work so Dave I'll let you read out the question and then we'll probably jump straight into it.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so the question was, my work as a cleaner uh, and my job involves a lot of bending. I'm currently off work, but I'm unsure if I can go back as I think it will just start my pain again. I mean, this is a question uh, obviously asked on our Facebook group, but I think it's something I've been asked a hundred, a thousand times before by patients within the clinics. You must be the same, Rob.
1: Oh, all the time. And that goes for, you know, this lady said she was a cleaner, but that goes for any job that goes for desk work, that goes for mechanics, that goes for, you know, people that personal trainers, anything where their job, they feel their job is a potential trigger. And often... You know, these patients might have had the pain start at work, and that's a big part of it. They might have noticed that, or the first time they felt the pain was that they're at work. It might have gone, um, you know, when they're at work doing a particular movement or do a particular task, and then forever more, then they associate that particular job with it being inherently bad. You know, if you're having you know back pain all all the time after you know doing in your job as a cleaner, then it's normal to you know assume that your back, that your job has got something to do with it, and then in turn, it's normal to understand that it's. To worry that it's going to be sore when you go back. So, as Dave said, we get asked these questions all the time, don't we?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and look, it makes sense. I hurt my, bo- my back at work, therefore, why wouldn't work hurt my back again? Uh, but we're going to tell you why. Rob, um, do well, you want to take it away? First point.
1: Yeah, so I think the you know we, I think that this lady particularly is talking about her work as a cleaner, a lot of bending, and bending is something which we've spoken about before, and which has a. A massive gripe within the kind of the the society as being inherently bad you know people always look at ergonomics posters you're always told to bend with your knees and not with your back and we have this perpetual language that the spine is not designed to bend or bending it's going to break it you know it's weak it's fragile and we just know that's not true really you know firstly i think the first most important point is the spine is 100 designed to bend and lift mm. and that discussion around always keeping the spine straight you know i think that you know, we know it isn't overly helpful. It can lead to fear around certain movements, you know, fear of bending, fear of lifting. If someone's for 30 years been told never to bend, then of course, it you know, they're not going to want to bend very much and that, that's understandable. And And then that fear avoidance and that movement avoidance, you know, is not going to be a good thing because the spine is designed to bend and lift. If we suddenly stop doing it, it's normal that it, it's not going to feel quite right. You know, we've used this analogy before. If you tomorrow stopped bending your elbow... It, you know, you would be ridiculous. You wouldn't you you wouldn't function. Firstly, but often you know people would think, but well, of course my is designed to bend. I can't not bend it. You know, movement is good for it. It loosens it off. It frees it off. We don't have that same analogy for the back. We don't really assume that. We naturally think, oh, my back's bad. I must not bend it. Now, short term, it's fine. If you have a pain which is sore. Avoiding movement in the short term is not a bad thing to do. And I might say that to a patient, you know, if bending forward is, you know, severely painful or causing some pain, shooting pains down your leg, sciatica, whatever it might be, then yes, yeah, short-term avoidance is not necessarily a bad thing just to calm some things down. But getting back to it is is pretty vital, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that that's a, a great phrase there, a short-term avoidance rather than elimination. You're not stopping To bend your back, you're just uh, keeping it in a a neutral or a comfortable, let's say, position. Let's not forget some people's best comfortable position is bent over. They can't extend. They can't stand up straight because of the type of injury that they have. Um, That doesn't mean that bending is wrong for them. If it's comfortable at that time. Bending's absolutely right for them. If standing up straight is comfortable for you, then it's right for you at that point. But within a reasonable amount of time, you should be back to your full range of motion again. Use those joints. That's what they're built for. And you'll end up with more problems later down the line mm. if you're not using them because they get all stiff and horrible.
1: Yeah, it, exactly. You go back to the elbow analogy. If you'd used it, it would start getting pretty stiff after a while. You know, Wasn't there that story about the man who what was the world record for holding his arm over the head? For like 27 years.
0: Oh, he's got a big gnarly hand, uh, like super yeah, long nails. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I bet he's, but he's got a really <laughs> stiff shoulder.
0: I mean, how does his shoulder feel? He can't be in a great place.
1: Exactly. He probably, he's probably fused in that position now, isn't he? but I mean, I think he did it as a, as, as a meditation type practice, but yeah, it was yeah. that, you know, joints are designed to bend and move. We don't, if we don't move them, they stiffen up, you know? Use it or lose it is, is, is kind of a, <laughs> a, an old adage, isn't it? Which doesn't always quite make sense, but yeah, it's a, but, but that is true. Now, I think, Bending the spine is totally unavoidable in 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 you know m- vast vast majority of humans in fact all humans I can't there's not a person who can't bend this or shouldn't bend their spine really there's going to be nuances to that of course, but our, our activity of daily living from putting your shoes on, putting your socks on, sitting down to a chair, you know getting out of the car, all the basic things which you do playing with your kids you know the spine bends it moves, and you know so avoiding that long term is impossible. So, getting patients to realize that, I think, is a really important first step. And showing people that, yes, bending doesn't necessarily mean you're bending down to pick up a heavy bucket. It also means putting your shoes on, it means putting your socks on, it means sitting down in the chair, as we've just discussed. And often those movements are nowhere near as painful when the flexion or the bending degree of the spine is actually quite similar. And when you get people to realize this, they're kind of sometimes you get these light bulb movements when they go, oh, well, actually, I can bend down when it's unloaded and I can I can do that movement or I can bring my knees towards my chest and I can bend the spine in the same fashion and it doesn't actually hurt. And sometimes the fear of movement is a lot, lot worse. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt in some people, yes, it hurts a lot, but often the fear can perpetuate that cycle and people will avoid it because they think it's going to hurt rather than the fact it actually hurts or because they believe that they shouldn't do it rather than the fact that it, that it is inherently causing a lot of pain. Hmm.
0: So what we often end up with is someone who has become, or well, they're, they're avoiding bending, let's say. that That's a great example So that sort of bending, whether it's on the job or at home. Um, they avoid bending at all costs. They're not even bending forwards to put their shoes on. You've created ways around it in fear of pain. We haven't necessarily tested, tried that, or um, uh, educated that movement and then what do we do? We probably are going to leave that bending forwards or that, that squat or, or what is commonly known as a deadlift type pattern. So lifting something off of the floor. We're not going to do that until we really bloody need to. Um, And so, of course, then we're not going to be very good at it when that time comes around. Uh, A classic example, uh, I've had patients over the years who twice a year do what I would call max deadlifts. That is uh, people who like to garden, they pick up really heavy pots from the garden and they waddle them through the garden into the greenhouse. Done. They do that every October to keep them warm. Then in the spring, they do exactly the same again. That is like going to a deadlift competition, a powerlifting competition twice a year and not doing any training in between. They come in and say, oh, it's because I lifted. Um, I think, well, no, it's because you haven't lifted. (laughs) And then you've suddenly lifted. So we've got to try and from early doors, we haven't even discussed getting back into it yet, but we've got to really discuss, well, are we well-practiced at this movement unloaded Therefore, we can allow ourselves to practice loaded, um, which means under a weight, you know, picking up that heavy pot, picking up the grandkids um, or your kids, um, uh, loading stuff into the boot of the car from a trolley. That's a real common one that can cause people irritation. But of course, if you've not picked anything up for six months, why wouldn't it? It's a brand new movement. Um, So then You can see why when we think of it like that, oh, actually, I should practice these movements. I should practice some bending forwards. Let's talk about going back to work, Rob. I mean, should we be practicing our job unloaded at home while we're still off work? Should we be trying out these positions? If you're a cleaner, say, this might sound silly, do some uh, gentle cleaning for a couple of minutes. See how that feels. Don't wait till you've got a 10-hour shift and load it all at once. See if you can do it for a couple of minutes at home. I know it's a bit of a busman's holiday, cleaning your own house. Just wipe down some surfaces, push a hoover around for 30 seconds. See how that feels when you're not on the stress of your first day back.
1: Yeah, I think that what you said at the end about not jumping straight back into it is is really important. And if you... The analogy I use a lot in clinic is like running a marathon. So if you got up tomorrow or now and went and run 26.2 miles most people would be pretty sore the following day but that doesn't mean running is inherently bad it's like using the pot picking up that pot isn't inherently a bad thing to do it's just you're not you know you're not prepared to do it you know and like marathon running turning up and running a marathon on the day without doing anything is probably the worst possible approach to running a marathon <laughs> and if i asked any if i asked anyone about how to prepare for a marathon they would have some idea of what well, I need to start running to start with, slowly. It might be walking. It might be running. It might be doing. You know, basically, people would know that it would start with some shorter runs and slowly build up that mileage over the course of weeks, months, and years, mm. so you can to, so you can continually run that twenty six point two miles without without stopping it. Now, people know that, and we can use that same approach to returning to work or returning to activities and it's what we call progressive overload or graded exposure and it's just slowly pushing the body a little bit further allowing it to adapt to those stresses now if someone's off work for an injury that's the perfect time to get back to it you know like Dave said the first step might be testing out some different things at home and seeing how that feels you know might that be some cleaning at home might it be some bending it might be some exercises and this is what our job as clinicians is is to work out what those trigger movements are you know we, cleaning is a bit of a bit of a, a generic um uh you know occupation there's obviously lots of nuances to that there might be it might be ironing that triggers it it might be washing up it might be cleaning under the kitchen sink it might be hoovering you know there are lots of different bits to that as well so working out which are the trigger movements that might that might hurt it can you adapt those at home to make them slightly different you know can you you know a a key thing for me is changing positions a lot when you are ironing a lot of people say that washing up and ironing standing there for long periods is quite bad but can you do that for 10 minutes and going do a different job you know can you try that at home for a couple of minutes can you change your Foot position? Can you step into a bit of a, a lunge position when you're doing it? Can you put your one foot up on a box and one foot on the floor, you know, whilst you're doing these movements? Just in that short term to try and change that exposure, try and change that load on the back. So you're still getting the job done, but you're not putting quite as much load through those tissues giving it more chance to adapt and if you go back to that a marathon analogy you know it's like you're you're running a marathon you're going for your 5k runs you want to go up to that next level but it's you know you notice that you're not quite comfortable or it's sore or you're not quite fit enough or you're in some pain then what we often say is okay 5k is your limit why don't we do a 3k run a 2k power walk and then another 3k run or something like that and you can do that kind of walk run or you know run for five minutes you're going to walk for two the whole way through and you might find that you can do seven or eight k without really much much of a problem and it's you're still completing the distance you're still getting the job done but with just a slightly different angle on it and it means that you can change it and then that five minute walk and that one minute uh, five minute run and that one minute walk might become a six minute walk and a 30 second run or vice versa you can flip all these numbers around and all these adaptations around just to make it easier on yourself. Of course, going back to doing eight hours of ironing on day one is probably not going to be very comfortable. I wouldn't be very comfortable tomorrow if I did, if I did eight <laughs> yeah. hours of ironing because I iron exactly one shirt a week. So mm. you know, I'm I'm great for ironing for you know five minutes, but that's about my limit. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, to, to add another analogy on top or another story on top, I suppose, um, we had a, a postie in clinic fairly recently who was off work with back pain. I mean, think about carrying all those Amazon packages to all these people around the country. Um, of course, there's a little bit of back pain involved. Now, unfortunately, they were off work due to this. Um, and there was a graded return to work offered by Royal Mail. Fantastic. Fantastic. However, in those last few weeks of being off work, uh, the patient was really worried about returning back to walking. You know, I think it's like five, ten miles a day they walk. It's an incredible amount of um, of uh, distance and steps. So what we started to do was do some walking, some gentle walking, not loaded. We didn't give her a pretend satchel and and some fake boxes, um, but we just started to walk again just to encourage that natural movement and sort of warn her body, look, it's it's, it's coming back uh, and see how that felt without the stress of a, a long postal round in front of her um, waiting to be done. So I think something simple about. that, choose something in your job which you're hesitant about and see if you can gradually trial it increase your exposure to it before you go back to work before you're on shift
1: yeah and it's 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 training your body to cope with the demands that you put on it and you can you know is, is, as he said use a marathon example it's like sport you know if we were rehabbing someone with an ACL injury or a hamstring strain you wouldn't just wait until they're pain-free and then put them back on the football pitch you kind of slowly you know retrain them back to the demands of the sport which might be running jumping sprinting cutting you know it might involve some impact or some you know some collision work whatever it might be there are lots of you know nuances to kind of returning to work if you just waited someone was pain-free after a hamstring tear and then put them back on the football pitch it's, it's not going to end very well because they're not at the level of being able to cope with the demands that the sport's going to put on them, so yes, and this will look different for everyone. You know, it doesn't mean mm. that from day one, people listening at home that we're telling everyone to rush out and pick up some heavy pots every single day. It's that graded exposure that's important. So maybe we go over some of our kind of favourite favourite exercises for kind of reintroducing those movements. If we go back to the question. This lady talked about bending and that, you know, that flexion forward of the spine. I don't know if you've got any favorite kind of exercises or tips which you give to patients to help kind of reintroduce that, that movement.
0: Well, uh, I'm going to go slightly rogue here, Rob. Apologies. Um, my first one, if this, if this uh, lady works as a cleaner, I would suggest walking. I would suggest to create some weight-bearing activity. Walking would be my first off. Like If you're a cleaner uh, out there listening, you know how many miles a day you put through your feet. It's incredible um, because you're from one place to another. You're probably standing or kneeling for most of the shift. So I'd suggest start off walking. Just start putting some weight-bearing through the spine and becoming comfortable in standing and moving erect, you know, standing up for one two three hours at a time um start off with a 15 minute walk around the block and build from there that would be, probably be my first go-to rob
1: yeah i think you're right and i think that goes That's for 99. <laughs> <laughs> that goes for 99% of back pain really um you know, you know that i think that if you if you get down to brass tacks i think walking is probably the most effective thing that mm. most people can do for back pain um F- full stop. Obviously, again, there's going to be you know caveats to that, but you know generally walking is is so simple. Everyone can do it. You can change load. You can add a backpack. You can go up and down hills. There are lots of things which you can do to kind of change the impact on it. You can take regular breaks. Generally, places where you walk, there's benches and things like that as well, so you can stop and have a bit of a break. You can even take a coffee with you. Listen to a podcast. Listen to us. So there, you know, there are lots of things to do. But in terms of kind of returning to bending, there are lots of things which I use quite frequently in the clinic you know daily on a daily practice with a lot of patients Um, and it might look at depending on how fearful they are so for someone that's very very fearful of bending and you've avoided it for for a lot it might be around uh, doing some really simple knee hugs, which we spoke about before, which kind of bend the spine a bit. It might be getting them to sit up really tall and then slump down again, just kind of round the spine a bit. And you can find that those with some repeated movement movements, they can do it. Um, it might be some what I call seated deadlifts, where you just sat on the floor and you bend down towards your feet as if you're putting your socks on and you just kind of bend down, arms straight, and touch your toes and back up a couple of times. Um, you can then add load to that. You know, you can grab a handbag, grab a shopping bag, grab a, a couple of small um, weights you might have lying around the house as well. You can add some. To that, you can then do the same thing standing. Um, wall roll downs, another one, where if you stand with your kind of your flat, your back flat against a wall, stood up nice and tall, kind of curl all the way down. So take your chin in towards your chest. Imagine kind of peeling every single kind of bone off the wall one at a time. You can roll all the way down, and it's just taking it as far as it's comfortable. So I'm describing these exercises doesn't mean you have to go and do the whole exercise. For some people that kind of, you know, that pelvic tilt or that kind of seated slumped movement might be a really small few millimeters of movement to start with and then it can gradually increase it. You know, the seated deadlifts, it might just be touching their knees to start with and then going down to mid shin and then going down to ankle or toes or floor or getting, getting elbows on the floor. So there's lots of kind of variances to that. To allow people to be comfortable with it and then of course there are lots of different things you know we can do deadlifts we can do squats we can do um we can do jefferson curls if you want to there are lots more advanced exercises you know for 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 more advanced people um i say for more advanced people i've got a 92 year old who's currently doing some weighted jefferson curls at the moment for spinal stenosis he's he's brilliant um he started off by doing some seated seated deadlifts with his walking stick and he would just reach forward and touch his um Touches uh, walking stick to mid shin and come back up again, and we just then added a kettlebell to that, and then we kind of increased the weight. and He just uses a bag of laundry detergent at home, and he does some curl downs with some uh, with some laundry detergent, and he does you know twenty five of those each morning, and he can walk what much more comfortably. Whenever he's walking with pain, he stops and does does a couple of those, touches toes a few times, and carries on again. and He was of the impression that. Walking is bad. He was a manual labourer his whole life, and uh, and he was always taught that his you know back was going to be knackered because he's bent and lifted his whole his whole his whole his whole life. And I was one actually said your back's probably stronger than someone that sat in an office chair because you have bent and lifted your entire life. And that kind of uh, hit home a bit. So you know, gradually improving these exercises, gradually doing them obviously please seek medical advice for this don't rush out and start testing all of these stop anything that's caused that's to please stop anything that's causing pain and, and let pain be the guide you know keep those pain levels minimum as you know dave said before as well this is not about forcing it it's not about pushing through pain especially if you've had pain for a long time you know if pain's been there for a long time it might take some months to undo that that's that's of course that's going to be understandable go about the elbow analogy if you've never been your elbow You've done that for you've never done that for twenty years. It's going to take a little bit of time to start, you know, changing some of those tissues and getting them a bit stronger. But it's possible, and lots of people can have a massive, a uh, massive improvement in their pain and in their function.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look, we've, we've talked about how to sort of prepare for getting back to work. So those upcoming weeks, um, once you're in work, Rob, you've already mentioned about. Uh, <clears throat> Cutting chores or, or cutting duties down into segments, into to bite-sized chunks. I think once you're through the door of work, if you can, I know not, uh, not all um, uh, job roles will have this capability, but if you can, let's let's take this cleaner for an example. Um, if, if she's able to do some, I don't know, mopping, break that down to 10 minutes, stop. Go and do another task, then some dusting, then some clearing, 10 minutes, stop. Go back to the mopping, stop and break down those tasks into manageable chunks and intermingle those tasks that might be much much easier on the system gradually going back into it instead of doing two and a half hours of mopping followed by two and a half hours of clearing followed by two and a half hours of sweeping Um, if you're able to try and break down try and chunk up those larger jobs like that it can often provide a much, much easier route back into what you're doing rather than uh, creating a lot of load and tension in one particular plane all at once.
1: 100%. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I couldn't have uh, said it better myself.
0: Hmm. Um, Fantastic. Rob, Rob, any other secret uh, return to work tips for the good folks out there?
1: No, I I think that kind of covers most of it really. And it's just that, you know, I hope that's answered the question to the the lovely lady who, who wrote it. I hope that she tries some of these. I hope she's getting some help um, with kind of her, uh, her activity and her exercises. Obviously, you know, there's going to be differences that, you know, she might be able to do that other people might not be able to do. So there are lots of nuances with that. So, you know, best of luck with it reach out if you've got any questions and same for anyone else if you do have any questions about anything that we've said today whether that's exercises whether it's your pain whether it's your injury or any questions you'd like us to devote an entire episode on reach out and we will do our very best to uh, to answer your question live on the show
0: absolutely fantastic yeah we really do love your uh, your questions and your your comments do keep them in uh we try and get everyone talk, uh, answered as quick as possible
1: yeah and where can they find out more about us dave
0: so if you head to thebackpainpodcast.com, you'll see our website, a uh, lovely little website to uh, either find uh, which podcast uh, directory you can find us on. Or most importantly, we have our um, our provider map as well. Now, our provider map, guys, is a fantastic map of tried, tested, and vetted practitioners, clinicians, consultants, and um uh, other people to help you out if you've got back pain so head to our provider map page on the on the backpainpodcast.com find your local area and see if there's anyone there which have been vetted and approved by the back pain podcast team that could help you with your back pain physios osteos chiros consultants surgeons gps and the like on that map uh, it's growing all the time it's a fantastic community of people who are trustworthy to give you the best care possible Yeah,
1: fantastic! It's a really good, really good resource. Just added a load more people this week as well. So there'll be someone in your ear, someone in your area, someone in your ear, someone in your area, (laughs) very soon. We've got some amazing episodes coming up, um, kind of in the next few weeks. We are hosting a debate between two giants of the MSK profession Um, next week. um, Adam Meekins and Mark Glaslett talking about. uh physios having back pain and back injuries and rehabbing uh back problems and how they how they self-managed it we have an episode devoted to opiates for back pain opiates were recently removed from the nice guidelines um and there was a lot of questions in our facebook group about people that were currently taking opiates so that's tramadol and morphine and other drugs like that codeine um saying oh, you know is it bad for me what's going on so we have a um uh, someone coming on to discuss all about the opiates and why, they, why they've been roof the NICE guidelines and what to do if you are concerned about that. Uh, we have Laura Rathbone coming on to talk about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and what's called um, ACT for management of chronic pain. And she's a real expert in the pain sphere. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to that episode as well amazing as always if you've as always if you enjoyed uh, enjoyed this episode feel free to reach out to us on instagram at the back pain podcast or at the back pain pod on twitter we're fairly active on there give us a shout out give us a follow and please share the episode with your friends it means the world to us when we see all the shares and likes that we get on social media so that's it from me anything else from you dave no that is it fantastic thank you very much guys we'll see you in the next episode no worries catch the next one peace out